So welcome to relational care class. Um, how about we pray? Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for, um, we thank you for this season. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for us being in your family. We thank you that you are a God that pursued us while we were not looking for you and really didn't even weren't thinking about you. You had us in mind. So we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the spirit that he left us. We thank you as a yearly reminder of what he did and what you did before the foundation of the world. Mm. And so, Father, we just ask that your spirit would be with us, that, Lord, that we would turn our hearts and our minds back yes. to yes, the real reason for the season and not to use that as a cliche that we throw out there. But, Father, that we would really be immersed, that we would be overcome and overwhelmed by what you did for us and what appeared to us in that manger over 2,000 years ago. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, last week we finished up the um, Relational Seeds series, and that last um, pod is, is, that last teaching is on the podcast at beyondthewedding.net. So there's eight sessions, there's actually like 12 sessions, but we had a couple that were part ones, part twos. So anybody interested in going back over that, uh, you can get that at beyondthewedding.net. Also, if you're interested in any of the teachings that have been done by any of the leaders who facilitate this, um, please go to beyondthewedding.net. Um, you'll be able to find um, most of our um, teachings over the last four or five years or more. Six or seven, Ooh, wow, okay, on seven podcast. They're all so. unedited versions of what goes on in this class. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, everyone, reminder, you are on audio. But yes. there have also been, when we get really sensitive in this class, we do not post those. That's right. You know, for privacy's sake and, and that, because um, there have been classes where, mm -hmm. so we're respectful of what's shared in the class as well. Exactly. So. All right. So what we're bringing to you guys uh, this Christmas season is actually a two session series. So we will um, start this Sunday and we will finish it up uh, next Sunday. And so what we're calling this series, we're calling this eternity in a manger. And so to start off in terms of our, what we call our current traditional Christmas season, we decided that we were not going to go through the whole history of it and how it was formed and how uh, our current traditions are today. We would ask that you would do that homework and that you would go and look and Google it, uh, as they say, and find out how our traditions got to where it is today, because it is a mixture of different things from different eras and different things that the church was trying to do to overcome paganism. And so there's a whole lot of different things that blend into 
what we um, celebrate today as Christmas. But what we really want to talk about, as we say again, that cliche that we use, the reason for the season, and we know that that is Jesus. So one of what we wanted to talk about today was a light in the darkness. And so one of the things that this season does is while we have all the, you know, the, the joy of the season and Noel and lights and presents and uh, good tidings and all these different things that happen, we realize that the holiday season, the Christmas season, can be a very, very difficult season for many of us. And that season can be difficult, whether it's based on maybe having a loved one that um, is no longer here. Maybe it's having to have, um, getting together with friends and family, especially family, that you've got issues and things going on with. And so that brings up a time of anxiety and a time of uh, stress. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it could be just what's going on today. You know, we turn on the TV, we drive down the street, we see homelessness, we see, um, we see crime, we see violence. And so on one hand, we're getting told that, you know, this is the, this is the holiday season. We should be full of joy. We should be full of cheer. But we look around and we don't see things to be cheery about. We don't see things to be happy about. And so one of the things that we really wanted to bring out is that the current, what we may see as a current darkness, that darkness takes many forms. We have what we see in society that we may look at this time and look at as darkness. We may have our own darkness within us from dysfunctional families, from being separated from families, from wishing things would be different and they're not. And so having to deal with this darkness, and one of the things that we wanted to bring out is that at this time, that what God was doing was Jesus, God was bringing Jesus as a light in the darkness. And the one thing about this season and every season that we really need to realize is that no matter what our darkness is, no matter where we may be in our own darkness, that God is saying to you that Jesus, that baby in a manger, is God's light to you in the darkness. And it's that, it's that image of that baby in the manger that when we begin to look at it actually transcends just that baby in the manger. It was interesting this morning, <clears throat> I was in prayer and just sort of talking to the Lord about, about this teaching. And one of the things that happened was I got a, I got a vision from the Lord in terms of it was almost like God was holding Jesus the baby. And what was interesting about that was I saw God as a 
man, but the hands that he, the arms that he had around the baby were the arms of a woman. And there's something that's spiritually transcending when you see a woman holding a newborn baby. There's a, the love and the joy and the peace and all these things that are wrapped up around that, that image. And then what was interesting, it was almost like God was in heaven and holding this baby and he began to put, bring that baby down to earth to set that baby in the manger. And what struck me so much that brought me to tears was to realize the love, the tremendous love that God had for us to be able to bring his own son to earth and to bring him in the form of a baby. And it was almost like when he got ready to do that, I said, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it because we're not worthy of that. We're not worthy of such tremendous love. We're not because what's going to happen is we're going to kill him. If you bring him to earth, we're going to kill him. And he's too wonderful. He's too beautiful. He's too precious. He's too amazing for that to happen. And then God brought this, the first half of John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When you really allow the depth of that to touch your spirit, Christmas will never be the same again. Because in that one moment in time, God was giving you a very tangible evidence of what he had created for us since the foundation of the world before any of us ever showed up. So what I want to do is we want to talk about this light in the darkness. So I have a couple of scriptures to read, and then I'm going to let Leona bring something that the Lord had given her around this. This first scripture reading is um, Luke, the second chapter. And this is verse 25. And so it says, and so let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus has already been born. And so as um, his eighth day of life, he was brought to the temple for the Jewish rites to be done because it, um, of the circumcision that needed to happen to Jewish boys on the eighth day. So Mary and Joseph have now brought Jesus to the temple for these rites to be done. So starting with verse 25, and now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it, was, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus uh, to do for him the custom that the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, 
Israel. And so in that, he says a light to the Gentile. And that's what Jesus is, a light, right? The glory of Israel, but he's a light to us. He's a light in our darkness. And so again, wherever you are in this Christmas season, remember that Jesus has been given as a light. And because of that light, we can have joy. We can have peace. We can know that we have passed from death to life. And that the joy of the season is really that, again, that love. God so loved the world, right, that he gave. I have one more verse for you. Uh, One more reading, that is. And so what's interesting is you kind of go through the Christmas story. We have, even in the church, we've taken, we have jumbled up the Christmas story so that um, it's not scripturally accurate. I don't know if you realize that, Um, but as, as some of what I read, you will understand that it is not a lot of what we have taught in the church is not scripturally um, accurate. So this one's kind of long. This is uh, Matthew second chapter, and I'm going to start at the first verse. After Jesus was born in Judea during the time of King uh, Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "Where's, uh, where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard Uh, This he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law He asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea They replied for this is what the prophet has written But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means the least of the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called to the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they, uh, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place that the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, right? Not a manger, a house, okay? On coming to the house, they saw the child with uh, his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned uh, uh, to, an, uh, to their country through another route. So I'm going to skip down um, just a little bit because I want to get to. So I'm going to skip down to 16. So it says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who was two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what the prophet Jeremiah said was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning, 
Rachel weeping for her children and confused and and con refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Because of the birth of Jesus, how many children? Two and under, male. You talk about darkness. You talk about being brought into darkness. There's so much there, and I really wish we had time to go into all the aspects of it so that we could cover um, even just what we noted about the house and what we noted about the Magi. Uh, but we don't have enough time. And as Joe said, um, that's something that you can you can go into for yourself and it's easier. Talk to me after the session and I'll give you a couple of references. But I think it's also important for us to remember that when um, Jesus was born, there had been a little over 400 years of silence in terms of the Jewish people. They hadn't had a prophet, if you will, other than John the Baptist, right? Who's the same generation as Jesus. They hadn't had the word of the Lord. They were starving for the word of the Lord. They had been through so much devastation. As our speaker today even brought out, you know, when we, when we think of our economic downturns, they had gone through famine. They had gone through suffering. They had been deported to different lands. They had, been, they had be become human slaves in other cultures, in, even in their own. What they understood that was, quote unquote, the Jewish way, just like we would say, well, we've understood maybe many of us um, have grown up as the American way is no more, right? They were going through um, a culture, they had gone through a major cultural shift and had been so severely impacted by being um, overtaken and overthrown in not just like politically, not just in war, but even in their thinking. Because sometimes you can be overtaken by another country and still kind of keep your way of life, right? What you do behind your walls is what you do behind your closed door and in your house. But things had shifted so much that they didn't even have their spiritual foundation that they could hold on to. That's how dark it was. Just like you and I can see people and offer help to somebody and we would be, something in us would rise up just a little bit because they don't even say thank you. You know, just what we used to call the normal cultural politeness of the day doesn't even exist anymore. And a lot of times we think because we turn on the news and we hear great dark news. I mean, I, I, I saw Jean and Jean told me about something I hadn't heard. The brother uh, Barber that was run into by a woman, he goes to our church. He's a member of the Bay Church. And he got run into by a woman who maybe was a, I don't know what her real reason was, but it appears that her child may have gotten nicked when the child was in the barber's seat. But she was so, um, to borrow from our speaker's language, you know, she was so lost. She was in such turmoil. She was so, whatever had overcome her, she was at the point where she was not able to stop herself. And that's not to give an excuse, but that's also to try to say, let's look at what she may have been going through with some grace 
But we see that and we see those types of stories on the news and we go, oh my gosh, what is this world coming to? Well, the world that we're in is not that different from the world that Jesus was born into and the world that was even before. I'm going to first take you to John 3, and Joe already spoke to John 3:16, But verses 1 to 8, I'm not going to read all of them, but you guys know, I, mean, I loved it when, when my kids were growing up was when Nickelodeon came on, and I was like, yes, Nick at night! <laughs> I love that because it reminded me of the scripture because Nick came at night. He was a Pharisee. He was supposed to be judging Jesus because Jesus didn't come up with him and his other partners. You know, Jesus didn't go to seminary with him and his other partners. So it's like, why should he give Jesus any kudos for who Jesus was? But because there was that questioning in his heart, he was still willing to come and find out. So he came at night and he asked Jesus his questions. And in the midst of their dialogue, Jesus is telling him, you know, what it means to be in relationship with God in such a way that you can have access to what is in God's mind and what's in God's heart. And Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, and yeah, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon needs some help right about now. Anyway, let's not go there. Um, Jesus says to him in verse three, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You have to recognize that Nicodemus is asking Jesus a question. Nicodemus is the one who's gone to, quote unquote, seminary. Nicodemus is one of those teachers. But this is how dark the times were. The people of God, the chosen of God, had been so overwhelmed by all the stuff that had gone on and over 430 years without a prophet that they were just holding on to the basics. He did, it did not quicken to his heart at all that what Jesus was talking about had already been spoken about in the Old Testament. He didn't, he didn't clue in right away. Jesus says to him in, in verse five, and I'm gonna read it from the message version. Jesus said, you are not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. This had been spoken of in Ezekiel, right? God had said that he was going to give people a heart of flesh in place of a heart of stone. He had said something about water being a part of that change coming. But Nicodemus didn't pick up on it. Now, when I read this in the message, the wind hovering over the water of creation, what comes to your mind when you hear that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay. Both in reference to the water and in reference to the Spirit. But the other piece that comes to mind is Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, 
let there be what? Light. And there was light. So even going back to creation, there was darkness. And who brought in the light? Who called for the light? It was the Spirit of God moving over that darkness. So as we go through our own tough times, as we as we think about how dark the world is, or, how, or as we think about how dark things may be in our families or in our friends' lives, or just maybe we're overwhelmed with just the sudden expectation, because it seems to be a sudden expectation to go from it's just another day to, oh, hey, hi, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, and full of joy, and all of a sudden I'm supposed to be this bubbly thing. Let's remember that our darkness or the darkness that's in the world is not new, and it's not something that God cannot handle. He is very well able to handle. He's very familiar with it. His desire is for us to allow his spirit to move over the waters, over our hearts, over our circumstances, over our situations, over what's going on in our families, over what's going on even in our culture. He has a plan. He has a plan and he's working his plan. And what he's desiring for us is to, is to be able to look up enough to trust that he's working his plan and to put our hand in his hand and to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to help me walk through every step of this. The, um, one of the commentaries that I use says that a dense accumulation of fog and vapors which envelop the chaos of the, of the world at the time had covered the globe with a settled gloom, but by the command of God, light was rendered visible. The thick murky clouds were dispersed, broken, and light diffused over the expanse of the waters. As far as we know, he hadn't created the sun, yet he hadn't created the moon, because we, we know that that comes up later on in Genesis. But he had light. And he brought that light through. And that light penetrated the darkness. Just as that light of the Holy Spirit is who draws us into the family of God. Who draws us into a place of knowing that Jesus is our Savior. And who continues to do a work in our lives. To minister to us the light of the gospel. Because the light of the gospel is never, is, is never dimmed. From his perspective it's only us it's us and the things that happen that kind of clouds our vision clouds our perspective sometimes we lose our way and we need each other I know for most of the years up until very recently maybe 10 12 years ago um, I would I would be depressed during Christmas time and part of the reason I would be depressed at Christian Christmas time wasn't necessarily because uh, my dad wasn't around. I mean, Christmas in Africa is very different than Christmas here. <laughs> um, there is no Hallmark <laughs> that we're watching, and it doesn't even relate, you know, snow. I mean, yeah, it snows in East Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro, but um, I don't... That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that is like, hey, whatever. Um, I would sing you a song, but I think you guys would probably report me. 
I might get fired or suspended like Tim Ryan did for saying something that was true. But anyway, um, leaving that alone, there, there is this idea that there is a beauty and a light to Christmas, but there's also, there was also always for me the reminder that Jesus died for me. So as Joe literally opened up, okay, so he's born at quote-unquote Christmas time, which I hope you know it wasn't December 25th. But he's going to die. He's going to die for my sins. And that would just grieve my spirit so. But, 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 God said, can you appreciate the fact, like Joe said, that I came, I was willing to come into this world, even though I knew I was going to pay for your sins, to come into this world as a baby, to suffer being completely misunderstood. He was misunderstood his whole life. I mean, unless there's anybody in here who can speak perfect baby, babies are misunderstood most of the time. You're like, okay, is this a change my diaper cry or is this a I'm, a hung, I'm hungry cry? I don't know, right? He was willing to go through that all the way to the point of being a grown man living in relationship with other men who loved him dearly, but to watch them all run away, one sold him into being crucified and then watch all the other disperse. And that would grieve my soul. But Jesus called me up and he said, you know what, I want you to look up. I want you to look at what I bring. I want you to look at the fact that even with that, I was willing, I loved you enough to still come anyway. And I think the beauty of that, that we have to, that really get, we get in touch with, and we talked about this a, a few weeks ago, how much Jesus wanted to relate to our human experience that he came into the world as a baby because he didn't have to come into the world as a baby, right? That's Adam right. was created fully man. God could have said, okay, Jesus, you got three years to do what you got to do. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to get some dirt together and I'm going to form you. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be fully formed and you're going to enter the picture <laughs> right here with John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to start, mm -hmm. right? But he didn't. He was, so he experienced everything that we experience. So every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, every joy, every sadness. So there's nothing that, and this is the beauty of this God, that this God wanted to so much connect with you that he wanted to experience every single thing that you experienced. Think about that for a moment. This is a God that wanted to experience every single thing that you experienced. He wanted to be that connected with you. We talk about in ministry, if you're doing a ministry for um, uh, uh, maybe women that have been abused, who could connect with you more than a woman that went through her own abuse? 
she could connect with you on levels that no one else in the world could connect with you because she had an experience that was like your experience. She understood every emotion, every hurt, every pain, every fear. She understood every single part of it. But you have a God that came to earth and said, I need to experience every single thing that they experience. Because here's the thing, he was God. Now, as great as God is, he wasn't a human. But Hebrews says the reason he could be our great high priest is because he experienced every single thing that you went to. So when he goes and intercedes to you from God, he can say, I know the depth of this. I know the depth of her despair. I know the depth of her pain. I know the depth of her joy. I know the depth of her anxiety. I know the depth of every single one of that because this isn't some intellectual thing I'm talking about. This is something that I lived myself. That changes the whole equation. See, because when I go to Jesus and I tell Jesus I'm at the end of my rope and I tell Jesus all the things that I tell him, he's not understanding it from a God perspective. Mm -hmm. He's understanding it from a human perspective. And that's the difference. Because he wants you to know. Because, see, I could go to him and say, you know what, God, I'm feeling anxiety. How did you ever feel anxiety? You've always been God. You control everything. How did you ever feel anxiety? I feel fear. I'm sweating drops of blood because I've got to do something that I don't want to do. How did you how how can you relate to me on that level? Right? Jesus says, Oh, you know what? I can relate to it. Because he's the one who actually sweat the Because he's the one that actually sweated. Mm -hmm. I want to read something to you out of First John, and we've we've we're familiar with this, but in this context now that we're talking about, I want you to hear this again, and this is this is off the heels of what Leona um, has just read. First John, well, John, first chapter. Okay. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light, was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not, but excuse me 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What's important in that is I don't care how dark the place is where you are. That darkness has not overcome Christ. So our perspective needs to change. Because let's be real. Sometimes we're in a dark place. You know what? And Jesus might be there yelling and he's shining and stuff. And it's like, you know what? I can't see. Because this place that I'm in is too dark even for that light to shine. That's a lie from mm-hmm. hell. Exactly. exactly. And so now that you know the truth and the truth shall set you free, you understand that there is no darkness that you are in that light cannot shine the light of Christ because it says that he was a light of all mankind and he is a light in your situation. All you got to do is you have to remember, hey, wait a minute. This is really dark. But the one that created everything, the one that was the word before any of this showed up, before the Big Bang, before all that kind of stuff, he was still the word. Because he also says, you know what? Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. Let me keep going. There was a man sent from John, from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone is was coming into the world. That's a reason to celebrate right there. Because every Christmas, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And it says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, through him, the world did not recognize him. Because today, the world still doesn't recognize him. Because Jesus is a great teacher, he was a good man, he was a good philosopher. But you ask somebody, was he the son of God? Well, he was a great teacher and he formed this great movement and all these people really love him and they adore him. Was he the son of God? Most of the time they'll tell you, nope. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children not born from natural descent, or human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And John says, we have all seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son that came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's Christmas. So as I mentioned that I spent a lot of my years being kind of depressed at Christmas. What I didn't share with you was that at resurrection time, that was when I felt the Christmas spirit. That was when I would start humming, you know, Christmas hymns and Christmas songs. 
kind of a reverse type thing. And listening to. <laughs> and listening to what? <laughs> and listening to warped music like Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. One of my favorite. No, that wasn't as warped. Mitch, Mil Mitch, Mitch Miller's <laughs> Polka Christmas. That is my favorite Christmas CD. The so. kids and I went on a mission to get rid of that thing. I still have it. So, I still have it. She has to hide it from us. I still have my Mitch Miller CD. Because we were like, CD. we got to get rid of Mitch Miller. I mean, you know, I grew up during the time of Lawrence Welk. Come on. <laughs> it's only, hey, you know what? There you go. There's only so much polka music I can take, and yeah. I got nothing against polka music. <laughs> so, trust me, I got nothing against it, but after about 18, 20 years of Mitch Miller every year, <laughs> man, just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. we'll talk. <laughs> but, but that being the case, there came that time when I realized, when the Lord helped me to recognize it, I was really struggling with depression, period. Just dealing with depression. And that, yes, I was saddened and grieved about Christ having to pay for my sin. But there was a way I was looking at it that was incorrect. Just as Joe said, sometimes we are called upon to recognize that we have been believing a lie. That the light of Christ is still there, but we've been believing a lie. Or we can't see the truth. And so, what needs to happen? When I recognize that I am so deep down in that place of... Would you mind coming forward, Maria? Yes. When I'm so deep down in that place of, I know I'm believing a lie, or I know something isn't right that should be, that's when I need to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, walk with me. Walk with me, because I can't see it. I, I messed up. I, I just can't see it. I know I should be seeing it, but I can't. Will you help me? And I call Maria specifically because she's a Stevens minister. And that's what they do here, is they come alongside people and they walk with you through whatever you're going through. I could call a friend, Pinder, who would say to me, hey, you doing okay in the morning? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm okay. Like, what's wrong? So I have a friend who's looking at me and not just looking past me, but looking at me and picking up, something isn't right. Sometimes though, we think we have to put on the faith face, right? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not called to walk with my heart focused on that awful thing that I heard about the news, right? That happened to that man or to, to worry about what's gonna happen with that lady when she gets caught. I'm not called to focus on the sadness of that. I'm called to focus on the Lord and what he has for the people who are involved. And even when that's difficult, when there are holes in my bucket, or when my, we talk about emotional cup in this class. When my emotional cup is so full of things that are not healthy or that are not helpful, 
they are negative or they are heavy, I need to recognize, you know what, God, I need help. So we want to give you guys some tips of some things that you can do if you struggle during this time of year. Or for some of us, the struggle is new. I know for us, we're still walking through some things. Joe's dad just passed, what was it, two years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're walking through some things. And when we get together and we, we pray as a family, it's, it's different now. Mm -hmm. Because we can all in the room feel that dad isn't here, right? So we're walking through that. So one of the key things is we need to spend time with God and acknowledge that the holidays can be tough. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we need to also recognize that he can heal the holes in our bucket or he can clean out the, the heavy, despairing emotions we have in our emotional cup. And that he has the capacity. He alone has the capacity. He can use my sister. He can use my friend. He can use the minister of the gospel. But that... That power that they're bringing is not theirs directly. It's from him. So I need to do whatever I need to do to make sure that I am in line with him, getting the support that I need. One of the other things that we can do is um, we can do, we can pray. There are, there are types of prayers that we can get into with individuals or we can go to you know, cleansing stream when cleansing stream season comes up and just say, you know what? Hey, I recognize that this kind of thing happens with me at this time of year. I want you guys help to help me deal with this. Or we can, we can learn, we can go to people who can minister to us, right? We can plan for our holidays. Think of the people that drain you. We all have them in our families or in our spheres of influence. The people that drain us, and plan to have some people around that fill you up. It's just making that plan mentally, thinking ahead. I gotta spend time with some family members that are always talking about what's on the news. Well, I personally, if you don't tell me, a lot of times I won't necessarily know what's going on in the world. I know eventually somebody will tell me, right? And I used to watch news all the time. And, and when I do, there are times when I pick to watch the news. But if I'm around people that all they do is watch the news and tell me about the news, I can't take, I'm just telling y'all, if that's your thing, you will find me doing this, backing away from you yep. because I, I can't handle it. I'm just telling you the truth. I personally cannot handle it. It becomes too much for me and it makes me dark. So if you know that there are people like that that are in your family or in your sphere of influence, plan to be around people that have something else to talk about. Mm -hmm. You can always go to that circle. Hey, you know, it's not a cocktail party where you have to mingle around with everybody and hang with everybody. It's not, you know, I mean, yeah, we may have to do that for our jobs, but that doesn't mean we have to be there the whole time they're having that function, right? So make choices in advance. Plan some time away from the people who drain you. Like plan it, literally plan it. Have a way of escape already going into it. Like, and after you escape a few times, they might get the hint. They might, and you, maybe you can talk to them outside of the big circle of things and let them know. It's okay to have boundaries. It really is okay. 
be aware hmm, that you will desire to self-medicate. Self-medication comes in all forms. Mm -hmm. Binge watching TV. Except for Hallmark. (laughs) Except for Hallmark. (laughs) Hallmark is like almost always on in our house right now. I got so sick of Hallmark, I went and found my Perry Mason. On three televisions. (laughs) (laughs) I got an issue. issue, So I'm working on it. And and, (laughs) and even then, when you watch something, if you recognize why you're watching it, you recognize what it does for you. If if it's for encouragement, that's one thing. But if it's that you have to watch Hallmark to feel the holiday, something's wrong. Because it doesn't come from Hallmark. The joy of the season, okay, I just poked a hole in somebody's thing, <laughs> comes from the Lord. And it needs to and come Hallmark. from that place. <laughs> and life. Lifetime, yeah. Thank God that Lifetime is now doing some happy shows. That that's that's another network. I can't watch the news and I can't watch Lifetime most of the year because somebody's killing somebody who loves somebody, or you know, it's just yeah. But anyway, God bless them. They know how to tell happy stories now. But recognize that the joy and the meaning of the season does not really come from Hallmark, Lifetime, you know, whatever. It comes from the Lord. It comes from His Word. Um, be aware that other ways of self-medication for us is to numb out. Just eyes gloss over. It doesn't matter what you put on the TV. It don't matter. I'm not here anyway. Or to um, go shopping. We become shopaholics and we get into debt. Or we decide that it's time to eat every dessert that anyone offers us. Because the calories at Christmas don't count. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I have to remind myself it's a lie. You know, because I get to carry that along for the rest of the year, right? There you go. Extra extra workouts. You know, Peloton has a commercial right now that airs on the Hallmark Channel that everybody's getting up to work out on Christmas morning before they eat. So put some boundaries in your life. Put some boundaries in your life. Say again. That one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. Okay, I hadn't heard. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a new one. Ban all commercials trying to tell us how to live. Now, one thing that we must do is we must spend time alone with God. Sometimes when you're in that dark, heavy place, it's going to take more more time with the Lord. And I don't mean like shutting the door and, you know, pulling the shades and, you know, you got to read, you know, 25 chapters. If it's one verse, let it be the verse that speaks to you, right? Meditate on that verse, meaning say that verse over to yourself. Ask the Lord to illuminate that verse to your heart. Talk to others about that verse. Ask them, you know, what has the Lord shown you about this verse? Let that verse speak life into your life. Plan time with good and healthy friends. Music from a happy or peaceful time in your life. Everybody within the sound of my voice hasn't always been saved. And sometimes you don't think of happy music as Christian music. But there are some happy Christian songs that you can think of and that you can play. But if you cannot, 
it's okay. I mean, I used to, to me, he, he thinks this was the worst singer ever. Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, you play that today, and I am there with you. <laughs> I was a 13-year-old when he came out with his music, and I just thought his music was great. So if, I, if that's what I have to listen to to shift my brain, that's what I'll listen to. Um, and he, my husband will run away. <laughs> Exercise, get outside in nature. Reflect on appreciation memories. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Pinder and I were talking the other day and she shared something that I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a perfect appreciation story. An appreciation story is something that you reflect on. It's a memory where God showed up or where you remember really, really genuinely just having the joy in your heart because of a friendship, because of an exchange that happened, something you experienced like today. I talking to my grandson. I almost wasn't here today because I got invited to go to Disneyland with my grandson. And on the road, they saw a rainbow. Oh my gosh. That's like awesome. I will write to the Lord about seeing a rainbow. Describe the scenario. What was the scenario? I was driving in the car and I was just saying to, to the Lord, Lord, you know what? I've asked you for certain things and, and it hasn't those things haven't happened yet, but I know you are a covenant-keeping God. And this is an appreciation story I'm sharing with you that I wrote about. And as I get over the hill, I see a double rainbow, and I just break out. That's the scenario. So then I need to write about what I'm feeling. What did I feel in that memory? What did I feel physically, and what did I feel emotionally? Well, in my body, my hands came off the wheel. Yes, I was driving. <laughs> And I went right away into hallelujah mood. My hands were raised up. <laughs> while the Holy Spirit was driving the car. While the, the car. Holy Spirit was driving the car. Thank the Lord it was in traffic. Okay? And the joy of the Lord, my heart started to beat really fast. Not in a bad way, but in a wonderful way. And I could feel, do you hear? I'm describing to you what I was feeling physically as well as emotionally. And I could feel my cheeks just bursting, you know, as I grinned from ear to ear and, and, and my, the pitch of my voice went higher as I said, hallelujah. And then in the emotion, in the appreciation story, after you've described what you felt, after you've described the emotions that you had, the emotion of joy, the next thing you can do is ask the Lord, what is it? Where were you in that moment? And I heard the Lord say, you know what? I was right there sitting beside you in the car as you were driving and as you were saying to yourself, Lord, I know you're a promise-keeping God. And then you name that memory. And in that is an, an appreciation story. So when you do an appreciation story, one of the things that you're doing, you can do it however you want to do. Remember something or some experience where you had a joy encounter. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you were sitting in the sermon and the pastor said something and you're like, oh, that's awesome. It could be something as simple as seeing a rainbow. It could be something as simple as hugging your child and feeling the love for your child. But you can always ask Jesus, where were you in that? You can go back and ask him, where were you? Because I didn't see you then, but I know you were there. 
and 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 sometimes he'll make it really clear sometimes you won't quite get that clearly that's okay the main thing is that your brain doesn't know the difference whether you're having a brand new experience or you're just remembering what happened your brain doesn't know but what's happening is it is literally releasing the chemicals and the the connections that need to happen to fuel something good are happening all over again these are things that we can do in order to help ourselves fuel a better capacity to live in joy, even from a heavy place. You do that every day, and I guarantee you, your mood will begin to shift. It will begin to shift. And you will begin to see the light of the Lord that is truly there for you. So with that, uh, we're going to close, and then Jean's going to come forward to say something. Mm -hmm. um, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear, God, that you have a plan and that you are working our plan. Even in the midst of the heavy things that we go through, the darkness that we've experienced, and even that we hear about, Lord God, we may not be going through things that are heavy right now, but we hear about different things that people we love or people we know, people we don't even know are going through. But Lord, you have a way of escape and you have a way through. So Lord, we just say we honor you. We bless you. We say you are a good God. We declare that over our lives and over our families' lives and over our friends' lives and even over our nation right now. You are a good God and you know everything that is going on and there's nothing that is hidden from you. And so Father, we commend our lives to you. We commend our situations to you. We commend our experiences to you. We commend our jobs to you. We commend our family members to you. We commend our nation to you. And Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to see the light, even where there seems to be heaviness. And we, Lord God, will put our hand in your hand and come up higher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.